combination of velvety soft buff hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this of McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scored. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Club, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and to talk Shredemption Part 2, I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. What a night to be alive, G. Yeah, Shredemption Part 2. We had a fantastic time, yet again, down in King's home. Um, record points tally, six tries, total obliteration of our closest rivals in that second 40. A beautiful night to be a Bath fan. Makes it all worth it, Jake. <laughs> it was outstanding, outstanding evening down in Gloucester. We were, yeah, lucky enough to be down in the shed, in amongst the shed, a very busy shed for 75 minutes of the game. And then very right loud up. shed for about, what, 50 minutes as well. Mm. Yeah, it was great. Um, had a brilliant night. It is, um, it's a great rugby town. We... Um, those of you that follow us on, on Twitter will know we got down to Gloucester in plenty of time, um, sampled a few of the local delicacies, chatted to a few of the local fans and got into the shed in nice and early and, and had a brilliant evening, watched Bath demolish Gloucester, particularly in the second half, 27-45. I wasn't there last season to see Shed Edmonton mark one, um, but this sequel lived up to expectations and, and surpassed some for me. Yeah, and you know now we go to six out of the last last nine wins at Kingsome. So um, yeah, it's becoming a bit of a, a blue, black, and white stronghold. To be honest, fortress Kingsome. Who would have thought that after sixty four nil just a couple of seasons ago? Tom, on this podcast, we are going to kind of break down the night that was, pick out some highlights, talk just why it turned around so spectacularly in that second half. Twenty eight unanswered points for Bath, before being joined by friend or new friend of the podcast, Will, from the Rugby Collective podcast and Twitter handle, who is a Gloucester fan, and we'll kind of talk through their side and also go into a bit more detail about the game before we look ahead to a double West Country derby clash for both sides at the weekend. Yeah, and I guess just to, to, to start it off, like one of the reasons why I think King's home it's the best away day in the Premiership. Mm. And the shed is so, so good. And, you know, we were... Um, obviously, there's a lot of chat flying about before, during and after the game. All, well, <laughs> the vast, vast majority of it, very, very good-natured, apart from a bit of ref bashing, which, you know, from both sides, which, you, you know, in the heat at the moment sometimes happens. But I think one of the reasons it's so good is because the shed, being in the shed means you get in there, what, a good hour, hour and a bit before the game. And we certainly did. I mean, we were in there by about 6.30, 6.45. And even at that point, it's pretty busy. Yeah. And one of my favourite things to do going to a game rugby is to, is to watch the warm-ups. And you're watching it with a packed shed. And it was just great fun. You know, mm. Finn Russell deliberately, I think, taking some, some, 
some place kicks from right out wide. The shed um, giving him some, and and him him certainly returning the favour with you know sticking it straight through the the middle of the middle of the post. So it's such a good it's such a good atmosphere pre-game, and I think you know with returning internationals as well, mm. you know Gloucester in their selection bringing back plenty of strength and depth, as we'll come on to with, with, with Will, and us obviously putting out pretty much as strong a side as we possibly can field at the moment. It was There was a real proper sense of anticipation. And, and it was a brilliant, brilliant game of rugby, wasn't it, yeah. Tom? The, the quality was, for me, the highest of a Bath game this season by a mile. And if I can be honest with you and, and honest with the listeners, so far this season, obviously, I've enjoyed the Bath games. I've watched them twice, each of them. Love doing back, being back, doing the podcast, following the boys. The signings are looking really exciting. But I have, to be honest, struggled to really engage with the Premiership as a whole so far this season. But I'm all the way back in now. I watched the game, obviously, on Friday. Watched the game Saturday. Watched the game Sunday. Mm. Yeah, I'm all the way back in. And I don't know whether that's just the, the kind of World Cup now kind of in the rearview mirror or whether it's I'm with those returning internationals or whether it's because I think Bath will probably win the whole thing at Twickenham in May. <laughs> but I'm all the way back in, and yeah, love that feeling. It was a, a great game, and um, yeah, certainly the shed lived up to to expectations. It is brilliant, but it isn't the best view in rugby, especially when there was sort of a group of about 10 of us, a mix of Gloucester fans and Bath fans, all kind of sort of standing around me not necessarily being six foot five but having a great view so have watched the game back this Filthy, evening mate. I, feel I shouldn't have been sitting in front of you <laughs> have watched the game back this evening and, and it was yeah just as good second time round before we delve into it Tom we must of course say this is the Bath Rugby Prog brought to you by Black and White Butchers Tom Dunn's very own Black and White Butchers what a fantastic performance it was again from the Bath number two We'll let you off, Dunny, giving your insight to BT or excuse me, TNT Sports at the end of the game in a slightly strange sideline interview with Martin Bayfield. Keep those for the podcast. But yeah, this is the this is the Tom Dunn's black and white butchers in partnership with Bath and Plug. Yeah, I enjoyed that interview there. I think he said of of Thomas Detoy who who'd recently come on and 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 done you know did did what he did. I think he said. It's his bread and butter up front, close and personal, and we're enjoying it, and we're all enjoying it. <laughs> we certainly were enjoying it. Enjoy a hog roast from Tom Dunn's Black and White Butchers at the next Bath at the derby. home game. At a derby on Friday, which um, yeah, which we'll come on to, and, and kind of speaking of getting back into, uh, into the Premiership and falling back in love with it, we are trying to move a few things around ourselves to, to mean we, we get down there, so... Um, yeah, not confirmed yet, but but we'll kind of see how we get on throughout the week. What a game, Tom. Um, and, you know, really what probably can be described as a, a game of, of two halves in a way. Bath flew out of the blocks in the second half, um, but maybe weren't quite at the races, weren't quite on Gloucester's level in that, sec- in that first half. It was 20 points to 10 at the break. What do you put the the remarkable turnaround down to? I think in that first half, we were caught a little bit rabbits in headlights. Mm. You know, we lost Ben Spencer, mm. our, our talisman and, and captain, to a yellow card very early on. Um, you know, a, a, an offside in a cynical position, following a knock on from from Stephen Barney at the base of the of the ruck, but definitely a yellow card offence. 
that aside. Tom de Glanville filled in at nine. And Gloucester played some nice rugby. You know, it was, it was dry, cool conditions, perfect for, for running rugby on the Friday night. Artificial pitch as well. Mm. And Gloucester kind of stretched us pretty well. Um, I think at times we're a little bit narrow defensively. We had players charging up, clearly wanting to, to make an impact. Ollie Lawrence, for example, charged up a few times in his return to, to, to Bath. And Gloucester took good advantage of it and scored um, a couple, of, a, a couple of, 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 of nice tries. We, I think, in, in, in response, showed some nice touches, you know, glimpses of what was to come, some nice mm. interplay between, um, between Max and... And Finn Russell's and Finn Russell and um, uh, a, a few chances, one try, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think just defensively we weren't quite at the races, a little bit narrow, um, and we just allowed Gloucester a lot of a lot of meters and, and a lot of a lot of ball in hand. Yeah, they outgained us right down the flanks, continuously going from from coast to coast, using yeah. Thorley and using um, May and Carreras cropping up there playing really, really wide and we weren't able to either defend wide enough or more importantly, what you have to do in these instances, which is slow the ball down to allow your team to, to realign and, and space effectively. And we just weren't able to do that in the in the first half in particular. I thought we did a much better job of that in the second half. And it really reminded me actually of the um, London Irish game away last season Um obviously the last time we played London Irish, where they they hammered us on that occasion. And I think it was the winger, um, not Hassel, quite Loder, I think, got a hat-trick on that day. All tries down the right-hand side, and they were going coast to coast, stretching us, stretching us. We weren't able to slow the ball down at all. We weren't able to, to compete with their kind of pace, fast pace and width they're putting on it. And it's interesting, I had absolutely no idea watching on Friday, but having just watched it back, their new um, attack coach, Gloucester, is a fella called James Lightfoot-Brown, who spent eight years at London Irish and was previously their attack coach. And it really reminded me of the way that they were trying to play. And yeah, it was a shame because we were showing glimpses. We weren't nearly clinical enough, but we were showing glimpses. But Gloucester did deserve their lead just because of the way they were able to stretch us. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think it could have been more than 10 points, to be, mm. to be perfectly honest particularly during that yellow card period where we responded really well. You know, that was three points apiece during that 10 minutes. And I thought we managed the game. Um, we managed the game well during that period. Called the mark. Finn took his time um, and used all of the, the shot clock yeah. um, to, 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 you know, to, to get that 10 minutes, 10 minutes, um, 10 minutes down. But yeah, I think completely different outfit we looked when we came out of the, the, the sheds in the second half. We did look a completely different outfit, and yes, yeah, it's difficult to know where to to start, really, isn't it? With with such a, a complete um, team performance, but I, I think we've got to probably start with with Russell um, because I think he his glimpses, maybe even the best stuff he did, was was in the first half, linking so beautifully with Max Ajoma. That partnership does look to be. Um, starting to come together and, uh, and you know, there's real competition for places now in the centres with Ollie back and, and Cam Redpath as well coming into the fray, presumably back again on, on Friday night. So competition for places. I thought Max and, and Finn looked really sharp and yeah, Finn was was brilliant. Um, probably owe an apology to the listeners, to the guys I was with on, on Friday. I'm trying not to be as grumpy as I am at times and yeah, having watched it back, I probably... 
really appreciated the the Russell performance more. And I think it's one of those things that you've just got to embrace what's going on. He, he isn't going to necessarily nail all the kicks that he needs to nail. He isn't necessarily going to always compare us in the right areas or look like he's taking it as seriously as potentially I'd want him to. But this is what we've got and it is extremely enjoyable to watch. And I think I've got to try and run oh, this Six seasons in, what, about 160 or so episodes and he's he's finally admitted he was wrong. Do you want to talk about Nathan Hughes as well? Should we should we go back go back to that one? Yeah, I think he was it was it was fantastic. Um, mm. It really was, and you're right. Watching it back on TV, you obviously get a much you know better view, a wide angle view of what he is doing, the space that he's creating for players. And it's one of the things that we we really hoped he would do. We knew that he'd show some individual signs of, of brilliance and maybe some moments of madness coming into to Bath. But what we really hoped is that he'd start to unlock the talent that we mm. we we knew that we know that we have out wide and that Bailey's not able to do quite as quite as readily at this stage in, in his career. And I think Max looks to be loving playing with him. A couple of lovely bits of interplay from from, from the two of them. Um, and, you know, I think Max had maybe as a result partially of, of Finn and maybe just the confidence that that kind of aura of Finn Russell brings as well. I think that, you know, allowed Max to have one of the best games that I've, I've seen him have in, in, in a long, long time. Um, he was loving it as well. He was loving it. I mean, he loves it all the time. I mean, he, <laughs> you know, it can be a, a you know, a, a horrible, wet, um, gritty game as it was. Who did we play a couple of weeks back? Leicester, was it, at the wreck? Um, yeah. And he still loves it. But he, he, he seems to be, he seems to be thriving. And I just love the fact that Finn Russell played up to the rivalry with, with mm-hmm. Gloucester. I mentioned the warm-up, but... Um, yeah, for those who haven't seen the, the screenshot of him shushing the shed after he bins a, a, a conversion right from the left touchline after the Will Muir try, it is fantastic. Right up there with the Carl Ferns and Miles Reed celebrations to the shed that we've seen over recent years. I, I, I absolutely loved it. And yes, I mean, by far and away the best performance we've, we've seen from Russell in a bar shirt. Yeah, it was ballsy that shush because we weren't even leading. And there was still 30 minutes to go and they probably had the better of the game up until that point. But that's the guy that we've got. And yeah, I think it is time to to get along with the ride well and truly. Um, he, he he was really great and, and, and at the centre of a lot of, of what we did well. And, and Max, again, some real nice glimpses from him. You can tell he's playing with a lot more confidence, probably kicking a little bit too much, but passing beautifully off his right hand mm. for, for the Muir try. You can see he's playing with, with more confidence with, with Russell around him. And the thing about Russell that you just see on the telly in particular is that the, the, the defenders are just absolutely petrified of what, what he can do. And he gets it and he, he takes the ball so flat to the line and there is just no line speed because they just back off and they're just waiting for him to pass either side kick through, go himself and he's got all those options yeah, yeah. from from attacking and threat and he can do all that but it's also that the defenders know he can do that and they have no idea what he's going to do and it just makes them stand off, stand off, stand off and then if you get a runner coming in fast and and, and he hits that pass well, he's got such a lovely pass, he hits that pass it is so dangerous so yeah it was a really good performance from, 
from Russell. It was also a, a fantastic performance and a, and a key turning point from our other big signing over the summer, and that was Thomas Detoy. Tom, front rows an area I know you love, and, and Detoy is playing some beautiful stuff off the bench. He's just been phenomenal mm. since he's since he's arrived. Um, I think Van Grand said in the the post match that he's one of the best in the world in his position. Um, and when you consider the fact he can play in both prop positions, I think it's a uh, um, you know, it's, he, he's, he, he's probably got a point. Talk about impact off the bench. I mean, you know, I didn't even realise he was on when we were watching it back. They hadn't announced it and he, he was clamped over the ball for a, for, for, for a turnover. Then he, you know, we get in again close and once again, he is the guy that is able to get in that low position and just find an extra foot, that's all it is, an extra few inches to, 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 to get over the the line for his fourth league try in four games. He's now a top mm. try scorer in the the the, the Premiership. Um, yeah, and I think just his impact. I think it didn't spell the end for Gloucester because they managed to keep themselves within rough striking distance. But his impact and the 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 the, the, the couple of tries that led to so his try and then Ben Obano's try and then the penalty try, mm. um, which I think he was he was key in in driving that. Um, I think that was when we started to see Gloucester heads go down. That was when we started to see the the decibels in the shed go down. I, I think he's um, he's he's just been fantastic so far. He was really really impressive, and yeah, Stewart's starting to try and regain confidence. I was happy they started him, but yeah, to toy off the bench with with Abano and and Dunn looks frightening. And yeah, you know, Muir scored that that brilliant try after the max pass that we spoke about. Toy gets over himself after his turnover, which made it 24-20 to Bath. Um, and then Benno scored pretty soon after, followed by that that penalty try. And, and the game was kind of won, won from yeah. there. And it was it was won by the impact from from Muir, who was, who was brilliant, the impact from Detroit. But also, I think we looked fit and we looked like the fitter side. Um, and I think two guys in particular which stood out in that area were the two flankers. I thought Reed and Underhill were, were absolutely everywhere in that in that yeah. second half. Every breakdown, attacking, defensively, they were influencing it. We counterrupted on two, three occasions where those guys were the first ones there. Um, yeah, I thought that tandem worked worked well and I think it out it they they outplayed and they outworked the Gloucester the, the Gloucester back row. Um under, Underhill, superb, and, and, and I think Reed was was quietly outstanding. I, I think one of those could have got the man of the match award, to be honest. Yeah, it was the tempo from the backs and the pressure mm. from the, the guys that you mentioned. Fergus Lee Warner as well, seventeen mm. tackles yeah. alongside someone Hill with with seventeen. We certainly we certainly will, um, and that led to us being able to start to create chances out wide, um, and just 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 put Gloucester um, under the pump so much that they were spending so much time trying to defend and trying to soak up pressure and try that before they, they knew it, they looked up and, um, and they were, whatever they were, nine points or, or 11 points, 27, 38, um, you know, behind. I completely agree with, 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 with the, the, the guys you mentioned, Sam Underhill, I thought had a, um, had a, had a fantastic game. The other thing is, it's just, just discipline. So mm. only four penalties on the 63 minute mark. And prior to the Gloucester try, when we, we leaked a couple of penalties during a, you know, in, in quick succession at that point, and one in the second half prior to that try on on about seventy minutes. So we're whiter than white. Um, we upped the the, the the intensity, and yeah, I mean, 
Gloucester look to have no answer to it. Mm. And I, I think many a team will be in that camp when we play like that. And credit to JP Ferreira as well. It looked all too easy for Gloucester in the first half. Um, but in the second half, we, we shut it down really effectively. And that's getting the guys in at half time. Key messages, key changes and sending them back out. And yeah, a, a, a quite brilliant second half performance from Bath. All round performance to, I think, but, but in particular, yeah. second half as well as I can remember us playing in, in, in a tough environment there. 28 unanswered mm. points from a 10 point deficit on half time. Um, I've got one thing to say about that, and that is E or. <laughs> yeah, and I think what was surprising to, to me as well, and I don't want to call this guy out for maybe not playing his best game, but I thought we almost won in spite of what was not Ben Spencer's best game, and, and that has rarely happened. Um, I didn't think his kicking was, was, was up to his normal standard, obviously gave away the, the yellow card, and a couple of passes went to ground as well. So, yeah, to, to win that well, to play that well without who, our best player playing to the level, um, I think was was good. And and and, and Yuzi, must say had had a strong game um, as well, influencing influencing. Have you taken something today? Yeah, I mean, I you know, you're starting to starting to see the light at, <laughs> at, at long last. I mean, we need to be able to live and play with, without Ben Spencer and without being so reliant on mm. on the class that is Ben Spencer and. Um, yeah, I think if we can we can get a performance like that without when he's not at his best, then imagine what we can do when he's his, his usual metronomic mm. self. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, let's throw it over now to our conversation with Will from Rugby Collective to get into a little bit more detail and perhaps provide a small glimmer of a Gloucester perspective. We're delighted now, Tom, to be joined by newest friend of the podcast, Will, from the Rugby Collective. Will, we've got the honour of being the first ever Gloucester fan to be on the Bath Rugby Plug. So I think we chose a good week to have you on. Two years ago, we definitely wouldn't have done. How are you? Uh, I, I don't know is the honest answer to that question. Ask, ask me a week ago and it would have been a very different answer. But um, no, pleasure to be on, boys, first of all. Yeah. Great to get, catch up and have a beer over at King's Home. Um, yeah, I was much more happy pre-kickoff, as you can <laughs> imagine. We, we, we were saying some nice things about Gloucester as well, particularly about the experience of the away day at King's Home. I genuinely think it's the best in the league um, and, and, and the shed itself. Um, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was great crack. What do you, how do you find it going down to the wreck? I mean, I know you said to me you might remortgage the house to, to, to go to the return fixture in, in January, but... Out of interest, how do you find the match day experience at the Rec? Well, confession time, boys. I have never been to the Rec. I've not yet frequented uh, frequented the Rec. Usually, because it is a doesn't ever uh, prediction uh, prediction wise seem like a great great fixture to go to. But no, not not been yet. I'm, I'm fairly recent in terms of my rugby. Um, actually, getting across two games, pretty much the only person in my family to to really <laughs> jump into rugby fully, but. No, if the offer's there, Tom, especially if you're buying, I'll, I'll come with you uh, uh, next, well, let's, next let's, fixture. Let's, let's see how the how, how season goes in the meantime. But um, yeah, <laughs> the nice association, proper rugby in, in Bath. <laughs> yeah, yeah man, I'm, I'm keen, I'm keen. I'll get the points in if you get the tickets. I'll, uh... <laughs> I think it was, um, yeah, we were obviously speaking prior to, to the game um, 
about the, the various teams and, and certainly from our point of view it was uh, an extremely strong bar team injuries aside probably the strongest one we could put out Gloucester I know were welcoming back a lot of the internationals the Argentinian lads were, were back in the most part was that uh, kind of strongest Gloucester side that you've been able to put out so far and, and, and could put out at this point um, yeah I think so um, the Skivington sort of uh, implemented a, a very strange sort of um, system this season. He's been really uh, heavy on on rotation. Um, that's why we saw a very weakened team go across to sale. Sometimes we've had some of the first team in and, and not everyone quite available. But um, yeah, minus some big injuries through Varapavaruskin, uh, potentially um, Ruin Ackerman, but it's still to be known whether he's injured or, or not coming in. And then obviously Zach Mercer, uh, and Adam Hastings as well with longer term injuries. Um, apart from those four who are obviously big key players, yeah, that's pretty much the, uh, the the first team that we'd expected, really. And it was all going so well, wasn't it, in the first half? We spoke earlier in the podcast, me and Tom, about how well you were moving the ball from kind of side to side, getting down the flanks, using the the pace of Thorley, um, the, the pace of May and, and Carreras. You must have been pretty buoyed by the way that the first half went, and, and you managed to cross cross over for, for two nice tries. Yeah, to be honest, it caught me off guard a little bit. Um, I know there's been a transition with the, um, uh, the the attacking style of Gloucester. Obviously, in the past few seasons, we've been a very maul and set piece heavy team, mm-hmm. um, looking towards attacking a little bit more. I was fascinated by the Barton and Carrera sort of double pivot in the midfield. Yeah. How uh, Carrera stepped in at first receiver a lot. Um, and then all of a sudden Barton would jump in his first receiver on on on, on some sort of set piece moves. Um, and I think that worked really, really nicely. And yeah, I, I said to Tom especially that when I saw the lineup, I wasn't massively confident. I was doing sort of a, a direct comparison position by position. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, this could be a long old day at the office for us here. Um, but no, I was, I was politely, politely um, surprised in that first half. I thought it was, um, yeah, a, a welcome change to the way we've been playing for sure. There's many times, may over well over over the seasons we've been doing this podcast, but before that, where we've uh, we've looked million dollars on on paper, but 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 not translated it onto grass. I mean, I, I did think, and I said to you before the game, but looking looking at the teams, and we can come in to talk about the, these performances. But one area where we had a clear advantage was in the halfbacks, Ben Spencer and, and Finn Russell. That's such a good pairing, certainly in in our minds. You guys fielding Stephen Barney and then George Barton who I knew absolutely nothing about, but who I thought in that first half looked really sharp, you know, kicked his goals, kicked a, a tough goal out wide early doors. And as you said, worked with Carreras nicely in that first half. What do you, I, I guess, I think in, in, in this, going into the second half a little bit, we started to get more um, ball in hand. We started to um, play with more confidence, more tempo, more intensity. Would you say anything you know, from a Gloucester perspective, you guys started doing poorly or or, or changed after that, that halftime break? Yeah, so two things there. Just to touch on your the halfback thing, completely agree. So especially on paper, the, the halfback battle bath won. Um, on paper, for sure, by, by a country man. I think that the experience you guys have got there is is ridiculous, really. Probably one of the best 9-10 combinations in the league, if not, if not the best, really, off the top of my head. Most um, expensive. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. It's Finn Russell alone, isn't it? <laughs> Pollard, yeah, Pollard and Youngs can't be far off, but yeah, I think Farrell's probably fetching a, a hefty wage on his own anyway. <laughs> and he, 
Um, but I think one of the things that a lot of Gloucester fans have done, especially, is said, well, we've got an academy player in George Barton playing 10, no wonder we lost. But I think if you actually pay attention to the game, I thought George Barton was actually fantastic. Yeah. So um, maybe a little bit of a headline here, but it, it sounds um, it sounds like Hastings quite possibly is off come the end of the season and um, been injured quite a lot for, for one of our most paid players. And I think if George Barton was given the, uh, the 10 jersey going forward, I don't think... Too many Gloucester fans would be too sceptical of that. But yeah, I think the turning point for me, um, I, I forced myself to rewatch the game today, um, <laughs> which was a lovely experience. I was very tempted to turn it off at halftime. But um, on the, I think it's the 47 minute mark, um, there's a, a turnover from your guys led to a, a penalty. Ben Spencer taps it quick, goes way into, into your own half um, and, and attacks really nicely. And then there was a few penalties after that. Barbary goes off injured at that point um, after a Ludlow off-the-ball tackle. And then after that, once you score after a couple of phases, just the capitulation absolutely started. I can see the smirks on both your both <laughs> you boys' faces there as I start to talk about it. But I think that's the concerning thing. We were playing so, so well up until that point. First 10 minutes was great um, in the second half as well. Uh, despite the despite the try, there was still that intensity there. But yeah, I admit lack of leadership, maybe you can point it towards, yeah. I don't know. But we, we just couldn't dig ourselves out of that momentum, momentum shift after that, really. Who are the real leaders in that in that gloss side? Because I, I absolutely agree. I did think that they, they kind of once it started to go, it, it really went. And we've seen with Bath sides that it can just kind of fall apart really quickly if you haven't got that that leadership. And I think that, that's starting to change for us. Spencer's having a big impact. I know Ludlow is the the captain. Do you think it's a, an area that of weakness for Gloucester? Are there any other kind of outstanding leaders that, that I'm not aware of? Well, to be honest, I think if you looked at the players who would have typically took over the captaincy um, last season when Ludlow perhaps wasn't available, you look at Ben Morgan, Billy Twelvetrees, you look at Val Ruskin, I think maybe um, took the role at one point. Rowan Ackerman certainly has. Um Mark Atkinson as well, and, and none of those boys featured, which made it a little bit interesting. And I think if you look more recently, um, when Ludlow hasn't featured, we've seen Arthur Clark, Harry Taylor, and George Barton take the captain's armband. So um, that's three three academy players who are hopefully going to have big impacts leadership wise in the in the coming years. But right now, are they are they enough? Two of which weren't in the in the twenty three. So. I mean, you, you look at Ludlow and you look at maybe Chris Harris and then, and yeah. then ask where from there, where, where do you go, really? I think that's a really interesting point, actually, because you did look a little bit rudderless at times. You, you you compounded your errors. You let us score, you know, tries in, in, in quick succession. And I think on the flip side, in that first half, when you guys had proper momentum, you had an extra man, we were able to contain you quite well. I mean, you scored a couple of nice, nice tries, mm -hmm. but... The Simbin period, as I was saying earlier, was was three points apiece. And you look through that bar side and there's ex-captains and leaders kind of throughout the 15. You've got Tom Dunn, Charlie Yules, Miles Reed, who, um, you know, essentially looks like he's in that vice-captain um, slot now for us. And then Ben Spencer, Russell, obviously, with, with captaincy um, experience as well. So... Yeah, there's some experienced guys there and perhaps, you know, lacking your leaders kind of kind of cost you um, cost you a little bit in that second half. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think without going too Gloucester nausey with it, um, I think maybe what the, the Skivington um, game plan is for this season is a couple of big names injured out for a long period, 
is this the season you bed these youngsters? Obviously, the salary cap's looking like it's going to go up for next year. Yeah. Do you bed these youngsters, see which ones have got what it takes to, to make that 15 to 23, be involved in and around the squad, um, and then spend your cap around which players come up and, and jump into it? And I think given giving these players a, a, a captain's role when they do feature is, is a great way to keep them engaged on board and pushing forward. But does that come at a cost of potentially in a pretty bad spot at the end of the season? Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned the, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you mentioned the the Alfie Barbary injury, um, if we'll, yeah. we'll call it that, um, and the, the the Lewis Dudlow tackle. We've, we've, we've watched about, what did, what did you, what did you make of it? I mean, you know, Lewis Dudlow as a player, as a character, doesn't strike me as a dirty player at all. Um, what did you make of that watching it back? I know there's, you know, there, you know, in the aftermath of the game, there was certainly some disappointment on the, the Bath side that obviously that was, you know, an injury that he's, he struggled with. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the, the main thing you need to know about Lewis Ludlow, whether you look at this as a pro or a con, as a, a captain, is he leaves everything out on the, pit, on, the, on the pitch. He is the hardest worker in the side every game. His tackle count shows that and his leadership style is very much be the first man out of the line and then get everyone to follow. Um, I think under the pressure we were on under the scramble defence, he, he's flown out making the tackle. Barbary was the main car- carrier all through that that game up until that point. I think he's just gambled on the fact that if no one flies up on Barbary, we've seen him carry multiple boys over the line from from there before. So he's flown up and he's made the wrong tackle mm. on the wrong man. I haven't seen the flip angle of it, which I think would probably be more beneficial. But from what I've looked like, if Barbary takes that tackle, if Barbary takes that ball, sorry, and then that tackle comes in, I don't know how many more questions are asked on it because he's come for a chop tackle from the side seemingly with a with an attempt to wrap. I think that's where where I've sort of looked look at it. Yes. And then obviously off the ball just makes it look a whole a whole lot worse, doesn't it? Yeah, so just to kind of provide the other side of the, 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 I guess, argument, although I'm not sure there is one. So Ryan North, so a few Bath fans on Twitter did get in touch with us. So Ryan North um, described it as a, a cheap shot and said he knew what he was doing. And Rob Jones said it was nasty and a deliberate hit on the side of the leg. And yeah, obviously we're watching it in, in the shed and we've met before and had a few beers. So we probably don't have the best view of it on the night. Um, but I've watched it back tonight and I'm, I'm almost itching to want to play devil's advocate to, to what you're saying um, and slow it and show that it was. But yeah, I can't really, I, I think you're right. His head is, his head does drop. Barbara's hands are out and that is happening so quickly. The break's just been made. They've got back onto their line and then they're coming up. It, it's very, very difficult for me. And I think for both you boys to say that, that that's a deliberate hit. And I think just given, obviously, it's Barbary and he's had injuries and it did kind of cause him to limp. He stayed on briefly and then then got replaced. I think that kind of stirred up the emotions to maybe Bath fans to to kind of yeah. be a bit pissed off about Absolutely, it. Yeah. Word, no, for sure. I think it's one of those incidents where he's just trying to nail him and, and he gets it wrong. I think it's the classic case as well of slow motion making it look mm. so much worse and I think if you saw that in live speed particularly from the vantage point that, that Ludlow's at I, yeah I, I don't think mm. um, I don't think there's there's malice in it other than the fact that he is thinking he's going to get the ball and he wants to absolutely smash him and he, that's what that's the sort of malice that rugby's mm. rugby's built on one yeah. thing that and you, I know you we, we um, you, you sent me the video kindly um, prior to the, the podcast Will but 
Um, something that you know has been cited in the aftermath was the Johnny May clear out on Max Ajoma. That's right at the start of the game, I believe. Um, just before the Spencer yellow. Yeah, yeah just, just before the Spencer yellow, um, where he sort of seems to go beyond the breakdown and, and smash him and looks to make kind of, um, you know, head contact with him. Um, that doesn't look so good. And you could be without um, without your, your your newly retired international for, for a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Russell was was wanted to almost point that out to Carly, who who didn't look at it. Let's let's move away from okay. from from refereeing decisions and let's talk Finn Russell. And we've spoken in glowing terms about Finn Russell, so I don't expect you will to do the same. But we were kind of just discussing myself and Tom before the game as to to what do other fans think of this? And he's shushing the shed and he's he's laughing and he's joking and he, he he's taking it. He's taking it seriously, but he's he's playing with a smile on his face. And and I know the guys at TNT are absolutely loving it, and, and we're loving it. What are other Bath fans? What are other sorry rugby fans? What are Gloucester fans thinking of Russell? Is it good for the game, or is he just a? Oh, I, on, on the on the shush in the shell, absolutely love it. Absolutely <laughs> all for it. If we we go to the game, and as you boys might may have heard once or twice, we we give it out as is. All, all through the game as often as we can. If a player turns around and gives it back, absolutely love it. That is, that's exactly what the pantomime villain arc needs to be, in my opinion. I think if a player gives it back to the, the shed, that is absolutely perfect. We've seen touch judges turn around and offer flags to the shed. Brilliant. Do you know what I mean? We love all that sort of stuff. That, that's exactly what I, I love personally as a as a, as a Gloucester fan going into the shed. But yeah, Finn Russell being in the league is, I think he's great. I, I think it is uh, putting my neutral hat on here. I'm definitely not going to put a bath hat on, but putting a neutral <laughs> hat on. Um, well, yeah, it, it feels... Supposedly you run a, an impartial podcast, but um, you see, it seems to be fairly cherry and white heavy to me. Oh, this is this is disconnected from that at the moment. This is, this is <laughs> Bath versus Gloucester. This is... Uh... Gloucester hat's on. <laughs> This is absolutely separate. No, no. Obviously, he's a fantastic player. He's one of the best fly halves in the world. Um, he, why would you not love a player like that running out on the pitch every week? The, the only thing that I will say about it is that I think you can run a really fine line as TNT. You, you mentioned there that um, TNT were, were loving the shush and everything. Again, all for it. Post that as much as you can. Brilliant. I think... We've seen, in, in a direct comparison, we've seen Finn Smith put some absolutely beautiful crossfield kicks in, um, stabbing him in behind for Northampton tries. And I've not seen it mentioned yeah, a, yeah. A, a, a fraction of the amount. As, as, was it against Leicester that you boys, he, he, yeah. scored a, he scored a try with a, don't get me wrong, lovely try. Will Muir had about three acres of space in the corner and it was a fairly, if, if a fly half in the Premiership doesn't make that kick, I think you give him a hell of a lot of stick for not putting it, putting it on a dime. The fact is, Finn Russell, it's posted everywhere for for, for all to see. Oh, it's the uh, it's the Danny Cipriani effect, the the golden ring that he had um, when he was when he was when he was at Kingshead. Mm. Um, I do agree, he does get painted with a you know a, a different brush, and it's the brand, it's the um, it's the character, it's the fact that he's so relaxed before the game. You know, you look at the the video of him in the changing room before, and you know everyone's getting ready, stretching, warming up their shoulders, and he's just bopping away in the corner with his with his AirPods in. Um, but you need characters like that in the game. You need characters like that in, let's face it, a league which is struggling and facing existential threats. So um, I'm on board with that. And my fellow co-host and definite Bath fan is also 
coming on board with it. So, um, yeah, there must, there must be something in that Gloucester water. I'm trying not to be grumpy, <laughs> um, so I won't say what I really think about Ben Russell and TNT Sports. Um, I'm all for it, and you're right, Tom, we need to try and to sell this game. Um, Will, you're doing a great job selling the game as well with your bo- your podcast, Rugby Collective. Um, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you and, uh, and what you cover on there? It's not all Gloucester, don't worry about that. Yeah, definitely not all Gloucester. So uh, hopefully there's a, a small portion, at least, of uh, people listening to this who may have tuned into ours as well. But yeah, over the Rugby Collective, find us on all social medias um, at Rugby Collective and then on Spotify, Apple Music, all of those good podcast providers um, at the Rugby Collective pod. Um, tend to focus on on premiership uh, and do, um, I think we're one of the only pods which will focus on each game every week and dissect all of them um, in, a, in a in a great way. The way we sort of try and advertise it is if you've never watched a game of rugby before in your life, you should be able to tune in and get a decent idea of what's going on. But um, if you're a, an avid fan who gets to the ground every week, watches all of the games on PRTV, TNT, however you watch it, um, then you can have a little noise as well at uh, 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 some of those some of those periods as well but um yeah european stuff we we cover when that comes in and then any any big news around the uh, world rugby as well we try and jump into um so yeah, we'll have to get you boys on there soon as well um but hopefully when we lost the win in the reverse fixture <laughs> Absolutely, and Will and the guys of Rugby Collective will be covering two West Country derbies this weekend in the Premiership. And whilst we've got you, Will, it's probably a good chance for us to really take stock as to where all these teams are. It's Bath against Bristol at the Rec on Friday night, and then it's Exeter against Gloucester at Sandy Park on Sunday. Both of those games are on TNT Sports. TNT showing four of the five games this weekend with a, a mouth-watering doubleheader of, um, must be Derby weekend. That's what's going on there. Yeah. You've got Leicester Saints. <laughs> you've got, what, Sale Newcastle? And then and Quinn Saris. Quinn Saris, yeah. It's Derby weekend for, for, for the... For I like the that. I'm not sure they've done that before, have they, in the, in, in the Prem? I, I really like that. Yeah. You, can, you can find a Derby pretty much anywhere. Um, now that nearly half the teams are West Country, um, which is definitely something we can, we can agree on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I make a habit not of not watching Bristol um, unless they're playing Bath, so I haven't got a huge amount to say um, about this game. But what have you made of, of of Bristol so far this season, first of all? And then how do you think we stack up against them? So I think start, starting off the season, I was impressed with Bristol. They, they were going to be one of the teams which I predicted. I think when we did our prediction, I actually had the ninth um, this year, some say. Might be a little bit harsh based on the big stars that they've brought in, but I think they're very much, uh, they could be top two, they could be bottom two type team. And I think the first week they looked really, really promising. And since then, they've just looked at ever so slightly lacklustre. And they've had some injuries. They've not welcomed back Curetis Genge and things like that. Um, but I think from a, a purely tactical personnel point of view, I think their they're, um, biggest threat is in the centres. And I think coming up against you boys, uh, on on is it Friday night? Did you say that? They're, yeah, Friday they're, night. Uh, playing, yeah, on Friday night. I think that's going to be the big battle. You'll likely see uh, Yancy van Rensburg running through twelve and Vakatawa running through thirteen, um, and then Gabriel Libertoy, who's probably been one of the best players in the Premiership this season so far, come out of nowhere really with the way that he's been playing. I think that's your key battle through there. Um, and yeah, I think probably a Jomo and Lawrence are we likely to see from you, you guys? Do you think? 
think we'll probably see Cameron back. Um, and our boy Max might might drop to the bench on this one, particularly, yeah, with, with those two centres in mind, Van Rensburg and Bakatawa. Um, Van, Van Rensburg, from, from the stuff I've been watching, is having a really, really good season. Um, so I think just from a, a defensive point of view, um, um, Redpath and Lawrence might be the better pairing or, or Lawrence just back, maybe. Um, Maybe it'll be Redpath and Ajoma. I think Redpath does come into this team. And, and yeah, I think you're right, Will. That, that's a fascinating um, battleground as well. Another area that I'll highlight as well is, is, is the battle of the, the scrum halves. Um, who knows who's going to get picked by Steve Borthwick in his, in his Six Nations squad. Um, but these two names are, are kind of on the periphery, I feel like, um, behind Mitchell and probably Portfleet battling for that third scrum half in, in the squad and that's of course Ben Spencer on the Bath side and Harry Randall on the Bristol side the way that those guys control the game will, will be really pivotal um, in this one yeah completely agree completely agree Harry Randall at nine he, if, mm. if he gets going Bristol get going if, if you keep him quiet and then Bristol struggle I think it's, it's pretty much as simple as that for them I wonder if Spencer will will kind of ever get rested. Everyone else is getting rested, rotated, um, but obviously Spencer. Oh, he, he didn't. He start, didn't start yeah. against Saints. No, against Leicester. I want to say no. I think it was against Saints. Yeah, he's yeah. not started one, but he was on after about forty three minutes. He can't sit still um, on 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 the bench. Um, yeah, have you got an equivalent player who? You just feel like he pretty much plays every minute. Is it Lewis Ludlow potentially? I don't know, but he pretty much plays every minute of every game. And when he goes off, you just lose something a little bit intangible. Well, for us, it's Rowan Ackerman. Um, Rowan Ackerman, I think he did play, I'm pretty sure, without without having the actual stats in front of me, I, I'm pretty sure he played the most minutes in the Premiership last year. Um, and he is over the ball, ridiculous carrying ridiculous hands ridiculous and it, it, it playing in the six as well as our first carrier as our secondary carrier um incredibly important i find and yeah he's uh but yeah he, he is the first name on the team sheet for us one fit yeah i mean spencer is absolutely that for us me and tom always joke that you can tell when van gran thinks the game is won either way is when Ben Spencer comes off. And I think against Gloucester on, on Friday night, he came off with about 10 seconds to go. Um, I think after the the Lawrence final try, Van Graham was finally confident that that we'd won that game. And yeah, it was time for Spencer to get 10, 10 seconds of rest um, ahead of a, another Friday night game for Bath. On Sunday then, it will, of course, be Exeter um, against Gloucester, Exeter are quite strong favourites as as you if I if I look with with the bookies and yeah they've been um, relatively impressive I think they lost of course to Northampton on um, Sunday um, but they in the lead up to that were, were I think were top of the table so it will be a difficult one I think again for for your lads will on Sunday afternoon yeah no I completely agree and uh, I did a little segment where I absolutely went in on Exeter and how impressed I've been with them this season and uh, really if if you want a good 10 minute null session then <laughs> uh, I'd recommend the last episode of uh, of my podcast because I, I sort of broke down the way their pack's been working and, and how it's been working so brilliantly I actually think if any team strictly on paper sort of falls into our hands game plan wise I think it may be Chiefs and the way we can move around some of those 
big mm. boys in the pack. But yeah, with the way we've been playing at the moment, we, we well, we have no idea how we're going to be playing in the next game. So not confident. But um, yeah, we'll be tuning in with uh, some blind hope at least. I think on uh, on Sunday. But yeah, Exeter definitely definitely favourites. Yeah, the the West Country boys a bit more spread out this season. I think last season they were four of the five bottom teams, but yeah, a little bit more spread out, and it's uh, lovely to see Bath top of the pack of the West Country teams in third place. Fascinated to see how that develops over this weekend um, uh, with two West Country derbies and, and derbies across the board in the Premiership. It should be a fantastic weekend of rugby, and um, as I said earlier, I can't wait to to get into it. Will, thank you ever so much. For joining us check out the rugby collective on socials and the podcast tom thank you for joining me as ever a pleasure to talk this one through with you both we'll be back next week after hopefully another win um to talk about for bath but in the meantime stick behind the boys through thick and thin <laughs>